you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Aren't you glad he's in charge tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. You can be seated. Let's give all these musicians and praise singers a great big God bless you tonight. Thank you for leading us. Glad the presence of the Lord is here. Glad you're here tonight in the house of the Lord. We are looking forward for this rough season of sickness to pass so we can get everybody back in the house of the Lord. How many of you know it's important to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. The next few weeks we will be focusing our attention on a subject that I don't talk about a lot, but we're going to be focusing our attention specifically over the next few weeks during our prayer and fasting on warfare. Everybody say warfare. I believe the Lord has confirmed some things for through many sources, and uh, we are and we have been under spiritual attack. And there's only one way to respond to to, to spiritual attack. And it is not to lay down or to try to run. It's to put on the whole armor of God that we're able to stand. And when having done all to stand, what do we do? We stand. Amen. The only way to combat these spiritual attacks is to wage spiritual war and to enter into spiritual warfare. When major issues arise, I think most of us should look around and say, well, that's, that's just life. Something bad happened, that's just life. When it happens twice, perhaps we should look at it and say, well, Maybe that's coincidence, but if it happens three times, then perhaps we need to look at it and say, I think this is an attack. And when we look around and see all of the things that have, has been going on, all the things that have happened, particularly all the um, physical attacks that it seems our church has been under with sickness that has been so incredibly numerous, um, it's, I think it becomes very obvious that we have been under an attack for some times. Um, someone said we steer our way to heaven, but we drift our way to hell. And here's the issue, we're, we're either steering our life or we are drifting. Because there's no middle ground. And so I believe that it is time for us as a church to become more intentional than we have ever been. Somebody ought to say amen to that. 
when we are in war, we must be ready to fight at all times. Even when we're resting, there's really no break time in war. You got to have somebody looking out all the time when you're in war. Because you don't ever know when the enemy is going to come in and attack. Because the enemy may attack in the wee hours of the morning or in the middle of the day. And I have noticed that we win some battles, but just because we have won some battles doesn't mean that we have won the war. The last couple of days we've received some wonderful reports, and I rejoice in the report. that My wife has received a wonderful report, and we're rejoicing. And a great report from Brother Jason today, wonderful report from Brother Hector today. And so we're rejoicing in these, but we still have some that need a miracle in their lives. And so while we've won some battles, we still haven't won the war. And the enemy is still attacking and is still coming against us. And so we must be more intentional than we have ever been. Over the next few weeks, we will be sharing some strategies and giving some direction on how to do spiritual warfare. And uh, our prayer meetings that we will be having on Saturday night beginning on the 22nd, every Saturday night from there leading up to the final night that we break our fast and receive communion together, you're not going to want to miss them. They're going to be a little different this year where we're going to be bringing you, uh, we're going to be bringing you a little word and then we're going to be praying and we're going to be giving direction for that prayer. Those Saturday night prayer meetings are going to be very powerful and you're going to want to be part of that. I do know a little bit about spiritual warfare. When the devil attacks, we have to launch a counterattack. Because if he sees that we are weak, and when he attacks, we don't start praying, or we don't start fasting, or we don't start sacrificing, and we just turn around and run and become afraid, when the enemy sees fear, you know what happens. He doesn't stop because the enemy will always attack at our point of weakness. So during our prayer and fast season, as I said this past weekend, I believe that the enemy works overtime to create distractions. Everybody say distractions. Sometimes these distractions are outside the church and sometimes these distractions are from within. And I know this much, I don't want to be a detractor. Somebody ought to shout amen to that. I want to be an encourager. It may not be my way, but I'm not going to criticize you. I am going to encourage you. Some may choose to fast one way and some another. I'm not your fasting judge. I am here to encourage you and tell you, come on and do whatever you can. Get on board. Let's do this thing together. As a matter of fact, I'm not here to be your worshiping judge. I'm going to encourage you to worship and call you to worship and, and create environments for worship. But I'm not going to judge your worship. If you want to jump up and down, jump up and down. If you want to get out and walk across the front, walk across the front. You want to clap your hands, clap your hands. You want to shout, you shout. You want to run, you run. I'm not here to judge your worship. I'm here to create an environment for worship. I don't want to, I want you to know tonight that we are going to become an encourager of one another. I want to be an encourager. I don't want to be a detractor. To begin this prayer and fast season, I believe that we need to start 
with a very refined focus on ourselves. Everybody say, that's me. We need to focus on ourselves. I wish everybody in the church was here tonight to hear what I am saying because I feel like that this is very important for where we are going and what we are going to do. If you have already started the fast, I'm going to try to give you some direction. If not, if you're going to pick up with us on the 22nd, then I, I hope you begin now by preparing yourself for what we are going to do and the direction that we're going to go. But I believe that during this, whatever we've done in the past doesn't matter. But this year, I feel like at the beginning of this fast, we don't need to focus on saying, well, I'm fasting for my neighbors, fasting for my ministry, fasting for, for, for this one or that one. We need to fast and pray and ask God to reveal some things to us about us. Not my brother nor my sister, but me, O oh Lord, that is standing in the need of prayer. And I need God to reveal to me some things and give me the courage to perfect some things. Somebody ought to say amen to that. My father-in-law many years ago had on his desk when my wife and I first married, and for many years he had a yellow sticky note that was on his desk. It impacted me, and I'd walk in his office, and I'd see it there over and again, and I've reminded and preached about it and talked about it. A little sticky note in his handwriting simply said this, our problem is not not knowing what to do, but our problem is not doing what we know to do. Sometimes God reveals to us what we need to do, but we're not willing to make the commitment of doing it. And so we need God, our prayer and fast season needs to start with us asking God to reveal some things to us about ourselves that we may need to fix, that we may need to change. doesn't matter the way you've been your whole life. Some of us need to be born again. Somebody said, well, I've been born again. Well, get born again again. Because we need to put off the old man and put on a new man. And it needs to be in the image of Christ Jesus. When we come through this prayer and fast season, we ought to be acting a little more like Jesus. We ought to be talking a little more like Jesus. We ought to be walking a little more like Jesus. Everything about us ought to be a little more like Him. That's what this is all about. People have asked me, and I want to be very clear, and I want this church to be very clear in the way that we promote and ask people to join and get on board with what we are doing. There are no mandates in this fast. If there were mandates, perhaps we could, they, could, they could legitimately say, well, our pastor is nothing more than a cult leader. Well, I'm not a cult leader, but I am a leader, and I am in this church tonight to tell you that what we are doing, we're doing together, and God's going to bless it. And there's no mandates, but there is, some, there is some cries for this church to get on board and be part and do your best. So I believe that during this prayer and fast season, as we focus on ourselves, that God is going to reveal some things about us that we are going to make some changes. See, sometimes... Sometimes it is not, it is not that we need, we need God to do some things in us, but we need to do some things in us. Well, that didn't go over very well. See, not everything that we need in our life is we need God to do it. Sometimes we need to have the courage to do it. There's some things we need to do. And if we will make the adjustments, then God will grant us the courage and the ability some of us are trying to break the yoke in the back of some things that have been addictions in lives and things that have been overwhelming us and been controlling our life and our future. We've got to take the first step and decide, you know what, we're going to stop. Some people say, well, when the Lord takes the desire away, I'll stop. Why don't you try stopping and then letting God take the desire away? So we need God to help us make decisions 
and we need God to help us in the spiritual realm. Everybody say spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, what do I mean about that? The spiritual realm is the realm that is not the actions of the flesh, but it is the, it is the heart of the matter. It is the spirit that is connected to uh, everything that we do. Sometimes people, even people that's been serving God a long time, they, they wonder, they, 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 they wonder sometimes why in the world where, where, where did Pastor get his idea from? Well, here's the, here's the whole thing. The Bible says it like this. The spirit of a man. Everybody say the spirit of a man. That same word could be translated attitude. The attitude of a man. The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. This is what the, this is what the Bible says. King James Version. The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord that is revealing the thought and the inward part of mankind. It's revealing his heart. The spirit, the attitude of a man reveals his heart. So some people say, well, I got it all together. Look at me. I, I can dress like a Christian, walk like a Christian, look like a Christian, talk like a Christian. But sooner or later, if there is not, if, if your heart is not right with God, sooner or later, it is going to show up. It's going to show up over here and show up over there and show up when things don't go your way and show up when you're not in control and show up when you're not in charge. Because your spirit is the candle of the Lord that is revealing what really is deep inside of your heart. The spirit of Rebellion has no place in warfare. Mm -hmm. One of the first things that happens when someone goes to basic training is that they break down the self-will. The stronger-willed individuals are going to have a hard time in basic training. Some of our military, ex-military in this house ought to say amen to that. They're going to break down your self-will. They're going to remind you that you're not in charge. They're going to remind you that, God, that who, who is in charge. They're going to remind you that you take orders, that you do what you're told to do. Here are some things. If somebody just, just chooses to rebel in warfare, they are not going to be successful. Because rebellion has no place in warfare. I'm talking to you tonight about warfare, about spiritual warfare. And so in our prayer and fasting, we need to ask God, Lord, if there be any wicked way in me, take it out. The Bible says about the spirit of rebellion, and it says that rebellion is as the spirit of witchcraft. People say, well, there's no way that I would ever be involved in satanic activity. Rebellion is satanic activity. Wartime calls for submission and unity. There are times when I know God does some pruning in all of our lives. How many of you know that? God does some pruning. And then there are times when God does some thinning. I'm okay with God pruning some things in my life, but oh God. Don't let me be discarded in the thinning. I don't want there to be a thinning season. I want there to be a pruning season. The songwriter said, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. But I believe God is wanting to perfect some things in us. And a good place for us to start is to repent of some old flesh-filled spirits that divides and distracts and say, God, I want you to make me workable and usable and pliable and manageable in the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you have your Bibles and want to turn there. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 12. 
You can read it out loud with me if you have it, or they'll put it on the screen. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Read with me now. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now Paul admonished Timothy to fight the good fight. It was the elder minister here speaking to the younger minister. But I must tell you today that this fight is not just a fight for the ministry. This warfare is not just a warfare for the ministry. But this fight is for every child of God who is striving to win the victory in this battle. Somebody asked about spiritual warfare and what, what, what are we dealing with in spiritual warfare. First, let me lay down some, 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 lay out some things to you to help us understand. There are specific and certain spirits that are profound and obvious and very present in specific regions or particular areas. There are certain areas of the world, pockets, regions. We call it cultures. In certain areas, there are specific cultures. And those, those cultures, if we're not careful, will be Will, there, there's so many, there's so much humanity involved in the forming and shaping of culture that these regions and these areas will be uh, become hotbeds for certain, uh, certain satanic and demonic powers and forces. I, I don't want to get spooky tonight, but I want us to understand that there are demonic powers and forces that will be very prevalent in certain areas in another part of the world. There may be a whole different spiritual dynamic and a whole different uh, level of attack in a whole different area. So understand this, that there are regional spiritual authorities and regional things that, that uh, are very difficult to battle and and those, that, that warfare is a warfare that is ongoing. You, it's, it's something that you must overcome. You must, we must claim the victory over it. We must conquer it. And there's only one way to conquer it, and it is through warfare prayer and warfare worship. And that spiritual dynamic that must be controlled, must be, we must overcome it and gain control of it. But understand this that those particular spiritual uh, authorities in regions and areas, these demonic powers in certain areas, they, they may be held, they may be pushed back by uh, a powerful and praying church, by a powerful and praying ministry. But those, that spiritual warfare, the moment that we take our attention off of it, and the moment that we stop focusing uh, on that warfare, you can be very confident that that, that region, that, that demonic power of that region will once again begin to fortify and will once again begin to build resistance and will come back and will fight all over again with Vengeance. Let me break it down and make it very simple to you and very clear to you. There are certain things that this church may have fought in this region, in this area. I have pastor friends all around this region, in this area. And in talking to them, often I find that the same thing that we fight here, they may fight across, uh, across this whole region and across this whole area. 
The fight that we may fight in Frankfurt may be the same fight in Kokomo and Indianapolis and, and Kokomo and this whole region is, is bound by a certain spiritual dynamic that we must war against and fight against and overcome. And the only way to overcome that, any spiritual attack cannot be fought in the flesh. You cannot get educated enough to fight a spiritual battle. I'm coming to you tonight to, to, to deal with your intellect and to deal with your thinking and to help us understand that I am teaching you some principles and some things tonight that we are going to be going after and we're going to be rising against and we're going to be standing against and we're going to be casting out and this is a season that we are in. But listen to me. This is why that the church rises to high levels and sees great things and then come March and April and May and summertime and people say, well, what happened? We slid right back to where we were. No, here is what happened when we took our attention off of the war. The enemy begins to fortify. And the same spirits that we just conquered in January and February began to raise up against the church, against your home, against your mind, against your family. And it's not just regional powers and regional things. There is also in spiritual warfare, there are certain things that a specific family may deal with certain things. People say, well, it's genetic. I'm not here to talk about what color your hair, your hair is or what complexion your skin may be because of your family. But I'm here tonight to preach to you and teach you and talk to you about the spiritual dynamic. There are certain things that uh, a family may be attacked with and we are raised in homes and there becomes generational curses. Those generational curses are, are there because of an attack of the enemy and somebody never broke the generational curse. Can it be broken? Absolutely it can be broken. But often what happens is children are raised in a family to learn that certain traits are just acceptable. It's just the way we are. It's just how we are. It's just who we are. And we take it on as a personality. You can talk to some people that are sick and they want to talk about their cancer. They want to talk about their disease. They want to talk about their issue. But let me tell you, don't take ownership of that thing. Don't take ownership of it. Don't ever say it's mine. Don't ever say it's mine. Don't ever start making excuses for things that the devil has been fighting your family for generations and been coming against your family. Your family, somebody says, well, my family deals with depression. Break the back of it. Don't claim it. Don't tell your children about it. Don't talk about it to your children. My God, break the back of that thing and cast it out of your family and let it be gone in Jesus' name. How do you overcome it? By prayer and fasting. So we've got things that we battle and we must overcome. We are, we are in a spiritual battle. Let me say this to you tonight in the onset of what we're going to be talking about for many weeks. Now don't get nervous, not all of our messages. I'm not going to come in every Sunday and talk about spiritual warfare. There is going to be an overtone and there is going to be, there's going to be some teaching and, some, and some, some training and some prayer that's going to be focused in some of these areas tonight. I am breaking it to this group that is here and those that are listening online and that listen in the days to come. But don't get nervous. We're still going to have revival, baptized people. We got all sorts of things. Brother Gentry's going to be with us this weekend. We're going to have a Holy Ghost time. I believe people are going to return, get back in the house of the Lord. We're going to see miracle signs and wonders this weekend. 
My goodness, this is a Wednesday night crowd. I wish everybody would have clapped their hands and believed it because we're going to get what we believe. If you don't believe it, it isn't going to happen for you. We need to get some expectation in the house. We need to get some faith in the house that it's going to happen in Jesus' name. So some people misconstrue the idea in spiritual warfare and believe that we are earthly beings and we have spiritual encounters and spiritual dynamics. And it's real easy for people to begin to see spiritual warfare and in, in the wrong, in, in, this, in this viewpoint. But the truth is, we are spiritual beings. We are not bound to the laws of the flesh because we have been born again. I still have to eat and sleep and feel pain and deal with all the things of life. But we are spiritual beings because here's the thing, this flesh is going to die. So if we were only, if we were flesh, if we were flesh and just had spiritual encounters, at the end they'd put us in the grave and that would be the end of it. That's why a lot of people misunderstand and say, well, I'm not a believer. I believe that when you die, life's over and everything ends right there. It's because they believe that this is the only thing that they have in this world. They don't understand we are spiritual beings, meaning our spirit is going to live on forever. We're just here for a season in this life, but our spirit is going. That's why the spiritual man is more important than the physical man. The Bible doesn't say bodily exercise doesn't profit. It said it profits a little. James said that in this life, that it's only a few days, it's a little while. And he said, and it's even full of trouble. Bodily exercise profiteth a little, but the things of the Spirit are eternal. That's why what we do in the spiritual realm is more important than what we do in the physical realm. I would rather die a broke man with no money in the bank account but have a relationship with Jesus Christ to know that I know that I know that I'm saved and my family's saved and my friends are saved and I've done everything I can to take everybody I know with me. Because the spiritual being is going to live on in eternity. And so the real battle that I'm dealing with tonight is not physical. If, it, if I thought it was all physical, I'd be up here tonight doing a weight loss program. We'd be up here talking about, I'd get somebody to come up here and my wife could come and join me and she could teach you all how to do, uh, what's that exercise thing you do? Oh yeah, Pilates, something like that. People say, well, this, this, this ain't no fast you're on. I eat healthy all the time. This isn't a fast. Yeah, you go ahead on with that. I can tell you ain't ever done it if you said that. At least you had never done it right if you ever said that. It's good to eat healthy. It's good to be healthy. If the Daniel's fast does is no sacrifice for you and you can do that with no problem, then you go ahead and find what works for you. You can just go ahead and do you an all-out fast if you want. However it works for you. I'm not going to be your judge. I'm just trying to get everybody on board and everybody understanding this. That the reason that the flesh kicks up so much during... This season, the reason that this fast season can be so difficult, we make commitments to read our Bible and struggle to read the Bible because the flesh don't want it. We make commitments to fast and we struggle to fast. I'll leave names out, but this week somebody was doing an all-out fast. I was with them. I picked up, knew they were. They didn't tell me they were. I noticed that they were. We were at a specific setting eating, 
They walked up, reached down, picked up something, threw it in their mouth, started eating it, and spit it out and said, oh, I forgot, because that's what the flesh does. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because the flesh just gets used to our routine. The flesh just gets used to the routine. And so we have to take charge over the flesh and break that routine. I've already said it tonight and I'll say it again. I believe the church and the leadership are under attack because this battle is for our future. It's for our kids, for our families, for our ministries. There's a story in Numbers chapter 33 that takes place in the plains of Moab and the Israelites have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Forty years, things seemed to be going pretty good. They had shoes that never wore out. They had fresh manna every morning. There was water flowing from a rock. Life seemed to be really good for them. They, so good actually, that they could easily forget that they were even in the wilderness and on their way to the promised land. Imagine that. God gave them shoes that didn't wear out, manna. Oh, this is the promised land. See, what happens is when God starts blessing us in our world here and now see we start getting raises on our jobs and blessings and nicer cars and houses and we fall in love and start saying whoa this is heaven right here this is all I need right here we lose sight of home some of us God already knows we couldn't handle it so we're going to go through life broke that's what our problem is isn't it Because if we are not careful, we'll fall so in love with the here and now that we lose sight of the other side and understand the other side's what it's really all about. We're so blessed, most of us don't know what the word sacrifice really means. We have it so good that if we're not careful, we will forget that this world is not our home and we will forget that we are in spiritual warfare. Here's the issue. We forget that we are in war. So we get all blessed and everything's going good. And we wonder, God, why do we get where we do? Because we've got to get serious enough that we start looking and saying, Oh, my Lord, if you don't come through, God, somebody's not going to make it. One of our loved ones is going to not make it. So we start getting serious in our prayer, serious in our fasting, serious in our walk with God. And we start getting more committed than we've ever been because we're desperate for God to do things for us. We get desperate, but as soon as we get blessed, we forget, throw in everything, quit sacrificing, quit being faithful. Tonight I pick up the story as Israel is receiving instruction on how they are to take the promised land. The Lord is revealing to them how they're going to to conquer Canaan. And when God starts talking about them conquering Canaan, God gives them a war strategy. Watch this with me. This is important to understanding where we're going. God gave them a war strategy. I want you to write that down or say it to your neighbor. God gave them a war strategy. God could have given them the victory without a fight. He's God. He could have done that. But he told them, if you're going to conquer Canaan, you're going to have to fight. In scriptural context, the story just before this story, when God gives them a a war strategy, the Lord says, you don't have to fight in this battle. Now, that could become real confusing because you know what I see and hear in the church? I hear us getting all excited, clapping and shouting when we're preaching and talking about you're not going to have to fight in this battle. God's going to fight for you. We love that that story. But what about the story right after that story that you're not going to have to fight? The Lord says, now your next fight is going to be Canaan. And if you're going to conquer Canaan, you've got to have a war strategy. Because some kind cometh not out but by much prayer and fasting. So God gives them a war strategy. Many of the things that God has promised and given us cannot be possessed without a fight. 
Is there anybody ready to fight in this house? Jericho was one with worship and a shout. But Canaan was conquered with battle. Several hundred years prior, God spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse number 7. The Lord appeared to him and said, Unto thee and thy seed I will give this land. So now, this promise that God gives Abraham is being fulfilled. Although they had not yet gone over into Canaan, they were receiving instruction on how God was going to give it to them. See, some prophecies come forth and we say, well, that prophecy is never going to come to pass. And the issue is the prophecy can come to pass, but it's not going to come to pass any different than the prophecy that God gave to Abraham when he said, I'm going to give you that land. But when it came time for God to give them the land, God said, now you got to fight. Wait, I thought you said give. And the Lord said, I've already promised you the outcome, but I didn't give you the strategy to get to the outcome. And if you don't want to be faithful, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put you in the wilderness and cause you to circle around in a wilderness for 40 years. Some people, well, I've been in a church, I'll tell you, I'm just about to give up. I'm just about to give up. I'm just out here wondering. Then get ready to fight. You wander in the wilderness as long as you are living in doubt. But when people decide, I would rather fight to conquer my Canaan than stay out here in the wilderness and be spoon fed and eat the same thing every day but I God's got a promised land that is filled with milk and honey that's where we want to go to but we got to fight for the prophecy to be fulfilled oh somebody ought to give the Lord a hand clap of praise in the physical realm we live in a constant threat of attack whether you understand this or not, we live in America and sometimes we miss this. Here in America, we fail to understand that at all points, we live under a constant threat of attack. Now, most people in their right senses are not going to come and attack America. But we live under a constant threat of attack and at all points, our military is watching and they're watching from the land from the sea and from the air because that's the three main areas of attack. The land, the sea, and the air. Watch now. The same is true. Everything that happens in the physical realm has a spiritual, has a spiritual connection. Are you ready for this? The land, the sea, and the air. The land represents the world. One of the greatest spiritual attacks on the church is the attack that comes from the world. The second, in the physical realm, the second area of threat of attack that always remains is that of the sea. The sea is representing or represented by the flesh. This flesh is always a threat to God's purpose. The third is the threat of attack from air. And the Bible even gives us, and I could give you scripture for some of these, some of these ideas, the threat of the air. Satan is the prince and power of the air. The Bible makes no mistakes in all of these things. So it represents the devil. We all live in a constant battle in these three areas of our lives. doesn't matter who you are, how spiritual you are, how much you pray, how much you fast, how long you've lived for God or how short you've lived for God. There are three areas that you are always going to be, always deal with a spiritual attack. It is always prevalent. It is always there. It is the attack of the world. It is the attack of the flesh. And it is the attack of the devil. 
That's your three obstacles. That's the three three things that you've got to over you've got to watch for. Now, watch with me now. We overcome the world by faith. The the world in Greek comes is the 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 term is cosmos. Um, spelled with a K-O-S-M-O-S, where we get cosmos, uh, in a broad sense means the invisible system of ideas and activities and purpose of this present world. James chapter 4 verse 4 says, Know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Don't get that wrong. It's not talking about people in the world. It's talking about the world system. Am I okay tonight? God has given us the shield of faith because we overcome the world by faith. God has given us the shield of faith If you go through all the weapons of our warfare, remember, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, but remember there is a shield, the shield of faith, wherein we are to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked. The proper translation of that is all the fiery, all the strategic things that the world throws at us. We overcome it by faith. Faith is our weapon against the world system. The world system wants you to believe totally in science and have no faith. Can I get an amen? The second thing is we overcome the flesh. And the only way to overcome the flesh is by crucifixion. We must, the flesh must die out. The will of the flesh must die out. It is done through crucifixion. What do you mean here? The flesh in the Greek word means living out of one's own resources. It is living out of our own ability, our own intellect, our own way of thinking. It is anything that is connected to humanity and the source by which that all of our sin nature evolves from where all sin comes from is it it's rooted in the mind the bible calls it the heart it is the it is the thought process it is our thinking and so if we don't keep our thinking crucified we will become just like the world and so we we live in this constant battle with the flesh The flesh wanting to sin. The flesh wanting to go back to our old life. The flesh wanting to find a way around God's plan. Flesh is the source of sin. Sin is initiated by one going his own way. Romans chapter 7 verses 18 through 25. I'm not going to read the whole thing because I'm running out of time tonight. But the Apostle Paul says that in this flesh dwelleth nothing that is good. He said, the things that I want to do, I end up not doing. The things that I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. He goes on, he's like, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And what he is giving a picture here of a, of a, uh, a, a, a man that that would be condemned to death, a man that committed murder, would be condemned to death. And one of the forms of punishment was that they would tie the person that that murderer had killed onto the back of the murderer. And that body would rot on the back of the murderer. And it would create infection that in the end would end up taking the life of the murderer himself. It was a slow and painful and torturous death that he would die. The Apostle Paul uses 
that analogy and said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He's saying the things I want to do, I end up not doing. That that I don't want, that's what I do. I'm just a complete mess. Who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? He is saying, I am, I am going I, all the way until this body goes into the grave. There is going to be a torturous battle that this flesh is going to deal with. Hear me tonight. If you are battling in the flesh, keep on battling. Everybody battles in the flesh. Just because you come to church and smile and shake hands and dress up and look good, don't come tell me you don't have battles with your flesh. Every one of us battle in this flesh. We struggle with this flesh. All of us. Because we're in the flesh. And so there's a constant call for us to crucify the flesh. The Apostle Paul said it like this, I die daily. He's not talking about a physical death. I'm not talking about a literal crucifixion. I'm talking about what you do with this flesh. Flesh, you've got to die. This is why we fast. This is why pastor calls us to fasting because fasting is not to harm the physical body and make us sick, but it is to teach us self-control because we overindulge in everything that we do and so it teaches us self-control and helps us get this flesh under control and when we learn to push back the plate we learn to say no to the flesh in one area and we can control the flesh in other areas. So fasting is not to force God to do something that we are asking Him to do. I've heard people uh, fleece God before, and that's fine, that's wonderful. I've heard great reports from it, but I am not a proponent, and I'm not going to come and tell you that you ought to fleece God over every little thing that happens in your life. But there, I have biblical examples. I get it. I know all of this. But sometimes we think, well, if we fast, we deserve the answer. If we fast, we deserve, we earned the miracle. No, when we fast, God can help us fix us so we can accept His will and what He wants to do. And sometimes God doesn't change the other thing, but God changes this thing. And when this thing changes, my ideas and thoughts changes and God fixes the other thing because He fixed it here. I'm teaching good to you tonight. We must crucify the flesh. If we let the flesh drift, we will end up shipwrecked. If we are careful, if we're not careful, the flesh will get out of control and it will dictate our actions. You know what we call that? Addictions. The flesh gets out of control, and then we say, I can't help myself. I don't want to do this, but I, I can't help myself. Do you know why? Because the flesh is dictating. This is why a child of God, it doesn't matter what kind of addiction we have. I'm speaking strong and bold tonight. I love us, I love you. Hope you're patient with me because I fight my battles too. But the flesh of every Christian needs to be brought into submission through crucifixion. What does it mean to be crucified? It means to take control of those fleshly habits. If you battle an addiction, keep on battling it until you win it. Get that addiction crucified. You've got the power of the Holy Ghost to help you get that addiction behind you. Now let me say something strong and bold, and I don't want to offend anybody that's been through a program that tells you differently, but they say, once you're an addict, always an addict, I come to declare to you tonight that Jesus Christ comes to make all things new. Don't accept a lifetime addiction sentence. If, woo, if the Lord has the power to break the yoke of that addiction, he can take the desire off of you and out of you and you don't have to go declaring, I'm still an addict because I one time was an addict. When the Son therefore hath made you free, you are free indeed. 
Oh, somebody ought to give God a shout of praise because he broke some of us out of addiction. I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry. Give me just about 10 more minutes. We can't allow the flesh to drift. We have to steer the flesh. We got to steer the flesh. But first, we must conquer the, fre- the flesh and bridle the flesh. So, you, have any of you ever ridden a horse before? How many of you ever ridden a horse? So, you don't just run out there and jump on any old horse and decide, hey, let's go for a ride. There was a battle that went on that you may know nothing about. Somebody in that horse has tussled. If you know nothing about breaking a horse, you ought, to just, you ought to just get online and watch yourself a video and say, Pastor gave me a right to go watch a video tonight. You go watch a video about breaking a horse. That horse is wild by nature. And they have to get that horse to where they can get a bridle on that horse. And when they get a bridle on that horse and get a hold of that horse's head and get a bit in its mouth, my God have mercy, I could preach on this for a while. Because the hardest thing for some of us is for God to save our head and, and, and get us to control our mouth. And when he gets the head and the mouth controlled, the breaking process can happen until that horse begins to understand the direction that the rider is wanting to go. And no matter how good the horse is, every now and then that horse will flare up, maybe even rare up. Every now and then that horse will act up. Every now and then he's a broke horse. He's been, he's been well trained, but every now and then the horse comes back in him. I'm being real kind right now. And when that happens, the skillful rider knows how to pull those reins and pop that bit in that jaw and say, don't make me. Don't make me force you. See, God's not a God wanting to force us, but sometimes he has to jerk the bit in our mouth and remind us, I'm really in charge here, but it would help if you would get that flesh under control. If, if you would get that head and that mouth under control, I could do something with you. I could steer you. I could ride you. I could use you. You could, be, you could do great things, but there's never a field been plowed that there hasn't first been a breaking process. This flesh needs to be broken. We start talking about use me, God, use me, God, and some people have all the answers and that never been broken. But there must be a breaking of our will One clear sign of someone whose flesh is in charge is when they think and what they want and what they like become their battle cry. Because everything's about me, 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 I, 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 what I like, what I want. During this season of prayer and fasting, our purpose, somebody says, why you do this? Our purpose is to take control of our flesh. This prayer and fast is personal to me. i got to get control of this flesh. You need to make it personal to you. That's why I said don't go into this fast. We're going to have time. When we get to the end of this thing, we're going to be taking authority over spirits in this region, in this area. We're going to be praying over individuals and people and powers, and we'll pray over all those things. But right now, at the beginning of this thing, let's focus on me. Paul said, we're no more debtors to the flesh to live after the flesh. You don't owe this flesh anything. Conquer this thing and do the will of God. I've got to hurry. We overcome the devil. Number three, we overcome the devil by resisting. 
The Bible gives us clear, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We overcome the devil by resisting. The devil or Satan, the word is never given in the Greek. It's always in the Hebrew and it means adversary or enemy. Satan was, was a created angelic being who rebelled against God and was thrown out of heaven and given the earth as his temporary domain. That's why in this life, we are in his domain in this life. Not in the life hereafter. But in this life, we are in his domain. And in this life, we have troubles. That's why James said this life is full of trouble. Because we are in his domain. We are in a warfare. And every time you let the flesh rise up and think, Boy, I'm going to do what I want to do. No, you're going to do what the enemy wants you to do. And in the end, it's going to cost you more than you wanted to pay. If you'll get this flesh under control now, God can be in charge and the devil is put to flight and be and you are going to make it to the city with a whole lot less problems than when we let the flesh control us. The Bible says, whom you resist being steadfast in the faith. Look at your neighbor and tell them, don't let your troubles get you down. If you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. We must be intentional. You can ignore the devil or he'll set up shop in your mind. If you start thinking, well, I'm not in a warfare. I don't even know what preacher's talking about tonight. If you, if you don't know that you're in a warfare, you are really one I'm trying to talk to tonight because you got problems that you don't even know about. We must be intentional when dealing with Satan. All three of these enemies operate from three strongholds, worldly thinking, fleshly habits, and satanic influences. So we must keep our minds renewed and we must create positive habits. Look at your neighbor or write it down. Tell them, write it down. Create positive habits. Someone said we are what we eat, but I disagree. Actually, we are what we repeat. Thank you, Sister Cheryl, for that line you gave me. We are what we repeat. You, you need to create some positive habits. You want a prayer life? I dare you to get up at five, get, get up, get up in the morning and just pray. If you if you normally pray four minutes, pray five minutes. If you normally pray ten, pray eleven. Just pray a little bit more than what you whatever you've been doing, just do a little bit more and repeat. Pastor, why do we do this 40 days? Because we are what we repeat. When we get the flesh under control in this first 48, we're going to repeat it for the rest of the year. We learn to pray every day for the first 48 and we're going to put some we're going to establish some things in our life that start saying repeat, repeat, repeat because we are what we repeat. This is a good time to establish new habits. I close. It's time for you and I to launch a full force attack of prayer and worship and sacrifice. We don't like those words sometimes, but we must launch a full force attack because the devil hates it when you pray, hates it when you worship, and hates it when the people of God sacrifices. Nothing puts the devil to flight like the word of God and the name of Jesus. And nothing scares Satan anymore than when the people of God begin to pray and worship and sacrifice in the name of Jesus. Is there anybody in this room tonight that is ready to do battle with the enemy? Your family may be at stake. We used to sing, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. That's where it's going to come from. I just want to remind you of something. It doesn't matter what we've been through. It doesn't, matter. it doesn't matter who we've gained or who we've lost. It doesn't matter what our attendance looks like on this Wednesday night with COVID running rampant everywhere. We are not a defeated people. We are a victorious church. We are a victorious. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We're not defeated. We are victorious. And we are in a spiritual war. 
and I'm calling our attention to the war. Wake up, ladies and gentlemen, and realize even when you think that there's nothing going on around you, when you think, well, there's not been any attacks lately, that's when you need to be on your toes because the enemy is always strategizing and always looking and always trying to find a moment when we're dozing, when we're not paying attention, when we're distracted, when our attention is elsewhere. We're in a spiritual war. And we're going to have to fight. The Bible said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down every imagination. The first sign that you are winning in this spiritual battle is when you get control of your imaginations. When you quit thinking just because they were talking, they must be talking about me. When you get control of these imaginations and you bring every thought into captivity to the will and submission of God. Listen, this is not pretend. This is for real. We must fight and we must fight to win. I want you to stand with me all over this building tonight. We're going to have just a moment of prayer. If you have to go, I know it's 8.30 and you can rush out. But if you can stay just for a moment, I believe it's time for us to take back in our personal lives some things that the enemy has come and taken and stolen from us. I came to declare tonight through this Bible study. Somebody said, we're going to have church with just a handful of us, however many's here, because all we need is just to get a handful of people united together and saying, we're going to fight like there's no tomorrow. Satan, your kingdom is coming down. God has promised us the victory, but we're going to have to fight. We're not just fighting for ourselves, but we're fighting for our future. We're fighting for our children, for the next generation fighting for our future. We're fighting for revival. Everything the enemy's taken from us, there needs to be a rebirth of it. My Lord, I can't wait to see our Sunday night services get back to where people are dancing in the Spirit and slain in the Spirit and the Holy Ghost moving and miracles, signs and wonders. Come on, there's got to be some expectation. We got some folks that don't even know what I'm talking about tonight. They like to hear it, but they don't even remember it because they haven't ever been part of it. But I come tonight to tell you we are an apostolic church that is built on the Word of God and declaring the name of Jesus and we're going to be a victorious people. If you're declaring it tonight, let's come gather around just for a little while and let's just thank the Lord for being part of the church. Triumphant. He has given us the victory. Come on, declare it in the name of the Lord. We're going to fight and we're going to win. We're going to be overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony in the name of Jesus. We're going to fight and you're going to give us the victory. In the name of the Lord most high. In the name of the Lord most high.